I want a series called Roots and Fruit. Everybody say Roots and Fruit. So what we're doing is we're examining the rotten fruit in our life. And we're trying to find what is the root cause so that God can bring healing to that particular area of our life. It's very easy for us to go through life looking at other people's fruit and what's going on around us and think they are to blame. But the truth is, everywhere you go, there you are. No matter what job you're at, you're there. No matter what church you attend, you're there. No matter what relationship you're in, you're a part of it. So if you see a continual rotten fruit in your life, you have to ask yourself, what is the root cause in me? What's the root cause of what's going on inside of my heart, my life? Now, this is a very painful thing to realize that you could be the problem uh, for the, or the reason for a lot of the problems in your life. It can hurt. So I want to show you something humorous to help you kind of see what we're going to do today um, and in this series. Kermit the Frog was feeling really bad one day, and he decided to go to the doctor, and they did x-rays. And here's what his x-ray looked like. He was shocked to discover, I mean shocked, that there was a human hand inside of him the entire time and he didn't know. I think that's what it's going to be like for some of us in this series. I think whenever God brings some things to light that's going on inside of you, it's going to be shocking to believe that all these years you had a root inside of you that was causing that bad fruit. But here's the good news. If you admit it and bring it to God, he can heal it and he can actually use it for his highest purposes in life. And I'm going to prove that to you today. So part one for your notes was our bitter roots, and we focused on uh, specifically bitter towards God. A lot of Christians just go through the motions. They don't realize that there's a bitter root towards God because he didn't do what they wanted him to do and so forth. Today in part two, we're going to talk about blaming roots. Every sermon in this series starts the letter B, blaming roots. A blaming root <clears throat> is when something negative is going on in your life. Something negative is going on in the world. And the first thing you want to do is point to somebody else and say, they're the cause for this. <clears throat> they're the reason that I'm constantly upset. Uh, they're the reason that I cuss. If, it ha if they hadn't cussed me out, I wouldn't have cussed them out. It's their fault. Uh, they're the reason I can't hold down a job. It seems like every job in Myrtle Beach, the bosses are just so rude. It's their fault. If we could get a different president, then I'd be happy. If we could get a different speaker of the house, I'd be happy. If I didn't have this weakness... If I wasn't this uh, poor, then I'd be able to do what God's calling me to do. If I, I, People make excuses for sin. I can't tithe because I don't make enough money. Well, if you make a dime, then you're able to tithe a penny. So you can, but you have to be honest and say, God, I have a root of distrust. I just don't trust you in this area. Or God, uh, I've been blaming my parents the way I was raised, but the thing is, is that my, 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 my sibling was raised by the same parents, and he or she's doing okay. So it must not be the parents. It must be there's something unhealthy inside of me. <clears throat> Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, I'm content with my handicap. In other words, I've learned how to accept the fact that I don't have as much money as everyone else in Market Common. I've learned to accept the fact that um, no matter what president is in office, it seems like I'm still upset. I've learned to accept the fact that I don't have what somebody else has, and that's okay. Because every area that I'm weak in, every area that I don't measure up, every area that it seems like I just can't get ahead, when I bring those things to God, that's when I see His strength come into my life. It's interesting, the areas that we're already strong in, it's like we don't really rely on God. So God intentionally allows each one of us to have weak areas. So when we bring these weak areas to Him... He then shows himself strong. The truth is, if I said to you, who's stronger, you or God? Of course you'd say God, but the question is, are you seeing his strength in your life? 
It's the areas that you can say, you can realize, God, in this area, there's some type, there's something holding me back. There's something that, that I'm upset about. There's something that happened to me when I was younger. There's some root on the inside. But God, if I can recognize it and bring it to you, then that's when you come in and show yourself strong. My disadvantage in God's hands actually becomes an advantage in my own hands. And I'm going to show you that today. I have three points for you today, believe it or not. I'm going to go ahead and give you all three because they're so good. I just want to keep saying them all through the sermon. And that is this. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Number one, you got to admit that you have been blaming somebody else for your poor choices. You have to admit that you've been blaming, pointing the finger at somebody else when you don't get your way. You have to admit that you've been blaming God or blaming your parents or blaming the government or blaming somebody for why you're not getting ahead. You have to first admit the blame. Uh, let's go through some things in the Bible that people blamed. Uh, they said they couldn't fulfill their destiny because of this. Age. Genesis 17, 7, 17 verse 1. Abraham said, how can I become a father? I'm too old. God called him to have Isaac. He said, I can't do it. Here's, here's, here's to blame God. You're, you're asking me to do this and I'm too old. The problem with age is Jeremiah said in 1 6, Ah, Lord God, I'm too young. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Did Abraham have Isaac at 100 years old? Yes. Did God make Abraham younger? No, but he still fulfilled his destiny. Did Jeremiah still speak on God's behalf as a teenager? Yes. Did God make him older all of a sudden? No. He was still able to do it. Judges 6 15, Gideon said, How can I save Israel? I'm the poorest. I'm not just poor, I'm the poor wrist. It's so funny, the first um, excuse that comes to mind is what we focus on so much in life. God called him to save Israel. Uh, he didn't say I'm too young, he didn't say I'm too old, he didn't say I'm not as knowledgeable as the rest, he didn't say I don't have enough influence. His thing was, I just don't have enough money. God did not give him more money, but he still stepped out and saved Israel. What about the government's fault? It's all the government. It's all the people in charge. Genesis 39, 20. Joseph was put in prison for a crime he didn't commit. I guess I can't do what you're asking me to do, God, because, you know, these people in charge of our country, they just upset me so bad. It's all them. Genesis 41, 40. But the Lord was with Joseph, and the king put Joseph in charge over all of Egypt. The question is not who's against you. The question is, is the Lord for you? Is he with you? Is he on your side? Um, if we can't take responsibility, God is never going to give us responsibility. I mean, every area of your life that you're pointing the finger at somebody, if you cannot take responsibility for where you're at today, God will never trust you with responsibility. What about sin? God, I've done too many horrible things. It says in Joshua 2.1 that Rahab was a prostitute. If there's anybody that God would not use, you would think it was a prostitute, right? It's interesting, and we all know what a prostitute does. The very weakness she had is the very thing that God used in her life. Because you know who Rahab ended up becoming? Was the 32nd great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.5 says Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. The prostitute. God could pull purity out of a prostitute. What about if you feel like you're the minority? 2 Kings 18 says that King Hezekiah was surrounded and outnumbered by the Assyrian army. If you're a woman and you work with all men, you're the minority. If you're in a wheelchair, you're the minority. If you have dark skin in America, you're the minority. I, I've heard this one before. I'm the only Christian at my workplace. You're the minority. What are you going to do? I guess you can't fulfill your destiny because you're a Christian. 
And you work around non-Christians. They're all heathens. They all gossip. They all cuss. I can't take it anymore. The question is not, who do you have against you? The question is, is God for you? 2 Kings 19.35, that night, one angel, not even Jesus, not even two angels, but one angel of the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. If there's any scripture you should remember today, it's Romans 8.31. If God is for you, who dare be against you? We, we love to talk about who's against us. Man, go on Facebook. We love to share things that bring fear into people's lives. This is why you should be afraid. Don't go outside. If someone sneezes, you're going to get COVID and die. <laughs> it's COVID's fault. That's why I can't enjoy my life. But that's why I can't do what you asked me to do. Uh, Exodus 3, 7. They were in slavery. And, G and God said, I've seen the affliction of my people. I'll deliver them out of slavery. Bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the problem. They came out of slavery, but slavery, slavery never came out of them. They had a victim mentality. God did bring them to their promised land, but they didn't make it in. Because they were still blaming. It was Moses' fault. It was God's fault. They didn't have enough water. didn't have enough food. And God said, I delivered you. Like I've taken care of it. But in their mind, they were still victims. In their mind, they still saw themselves. They kept talking about Egypt. And here's the interesting thing. They were in their 40s. When they made it to the promised land, but they didn't get to go inside because of this victim mentality. So they died 40 years later, but their children, when they were in their 40s, they made it in. Here's the interesting thing. Both groups, they were the same age when they were facing the promised land. Both groups were the same race, same uh, nationality. They actually had the same leaders. Joshua and Caleb led both groups. They had the same God. They had the same background. They had the same faith. Everything was the same. But here's the difference. One group focused on the past and one group focused on the future. One group was all about Egypt, Egypt, Egypt and where we've been. And the other group was all about the promised land, the promised land, the promised land and where we're going. If you look at different um, nationalities and races, I feel like most of all had some type of slavery in their past. Um, Jews, they were under Hitler and the Nazis. Um, uh, women, they didn't have the rights men had. Um, African-Americans, they were in slavery in this country. Mexicans, in the Mexican War, thousands and thousands of Mexicans were killed by the U.S. trying to take parts of California, Texas, and New Mexico from them. Go back further, American Indians. I mean, we can just keep going back. Seems like the only people who would not understand slavery is a white man born in America. But the truth is, we know exactly what it feels like. Because Romans 6, 17 says, Thanks be to God, you who were once slaves... To sin. I know what it's like to be in bondage. I know what it's like to wake up and feel like, God, please, I'll do anything. I can't take it anymore. It seems like I can't even make the decision. I'm, I'm being controlled by this sin, by this addiction. I'm scared of dying. I'm scared of if something happens to me today, I'm going to hell. I know what it's like to be in bondage and be a slave of sin. But here's the good news. I've become righteous. So we can do one or the other. We can either focus on where we've been or we can focus on where God has brought us. But we can't do both. We can't, this is such a good sermon. Somebody should say amen every now and then. Now, if I have to ask you, it doesn't count. I'm going to have a recording of amen. I'm going to put it up in my microphone when I feel like that was a good point. I'm going to have amen. So what about if you have a physical thing holding you back? Exodus 4.10, Moses said, Lord, don't send me. I'm not a good speaker. Here's what he was saying. I can walk, so you tell me wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Um, I can see, so if you want me to look something up, I'm your man. I can write. Give me two tablets of stone and I'll fill them up. But the one thing I can't have you asking me to do is speak. 
Because that's the one area that I'm weak. That's the thing that's holding me back, God. So this area, no can do. So God said in verse 11, Moses, who made your mouth? Who makes people see and, and, and hear and speak? Is it not I? You would think the next phrase would be, so Moses, because I am the healer and creator, I'm going to touch your tongue and you'll be a perfect speaker from here on out. God never healed him. In fact, God said, I can make people hear and speak, so go and I'll help you. Isn't that so interesting? The God of healing and miracles said, you know what? Your stutter, I created you with this stutter on purpose. Stop looking at it as a weakness and start relying on me. And when Moses stood before Pharaoh, you know, Aaron never spoke. The whole time Moses was planning on that, he never spoke. And Moses did not talk like Charlton Heston. Moses actually said, let go. And that was all it took. What is it that's holding you back? What is it you've been blaming somebody else for? What is it that you're saying, God, I can't do what you're asking me to do because of fill in the blank? What about Luke 19.4? Zacchaeus was too short. Here's why I can't do what you're asking. I can't see Jesus because I'm too short. They don't like me in that church. No one at work is a Christian. God, here's, here's my problem. I'm just not tall enough. So I'm going home because I, I just can't. It's just not going to happen for me. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go home, stay at home, eat Briar's ice cream, watch NCIS. I'm done with it. Or whatever your, 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 your thing is. Okay, Zacchaeus was too short. It's interesting. Everybody there could see Jesus, so none of them needed to climb a tree. But Zacchaeus did. And in verse 5, when Jesus got to that tree, he said, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to change your life. What Zacchaeus actually thought was a liability was an asset. What he thought was a weakness was actually a way God was going to work in his life. What he thought was a problem was actually a way to get him more prosperous because he didn't let it stop him from doing what God called him to do. He could, he could have gone on Facebook and said, this person's taller, this person's taller, this person's taller. And, and according to the news, 99% of the people are taller than me. So I'm not going to do it. He didn't let it stop him. What about if something's impossible? Luke 1.30, the angel said, Mary, you'll give birth to a son and Jesus will be the son of God. Verse 34, how can I do this? I'm not married. Verse 35, oh, don't worry. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. For nothing is impossible with God. Now Mary could have said, okay, I Googled it. And according to Google, women, virgins, uh, and, and by, by the way, the guy that's in charge of the country, he's trying to kill babies right now. So I can't do So all these reasons, God... We should always respond the same way Mary did in verse 38. Let it be done unto me, just as you have said. If this is what you call me to do, I'm going to stop showing the videos of people breaking into Target because it's causing me to hate these people. I'm going to stop showing this video because it's causing this in my heart. I'm going to focus on what I can do through Jesus Christ. And we're people of faith. We should be spreading this kind of stuff around the world. Number one, you've got to admit it. Number two is this. Quit it. Quit blaming it. After you've admitted it, then quit it. No more. When, you, when, when someone asks you, you know, what's going on, don't say, well, the reason I can't is because of da-da-da. Stop it. Quit it, quit it, quit it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul begged God to change this issue in his life. And he said, my grace is all you need. In other words, I'm not going to change it. You're going to be short the rest of your life. I'm not going to change it. You're going to stutter the rest of your life. Not fixing it. Because my power is strongest when you're weak. So Paul said, I quit. Everybody say quit. You've been wanting to say that to your boss, some of y'all. I've quit focusing on the handicap, and I began actually appreciating the gift. Let me say something. Maybe, just maybe, you're supposed to be in a wheelchair. If that's where you, maybe. 
Maybe you're supposed to stutter. Maybe you're supposed to be poor. The poorest in all of Manasseh or Myrtle Beach. Maybe. Maybe where you're at is exactly where God wants you to be so he can do something amazing in your life and through you. You don't have to have a certain color of skin, a certain education, a certain uh, amount of money in the bank. You don't have to have that. And we should be telling people this. Not having what you want could be exactly what it is you need. It could be exactly what it is you need. Um, there's a story I found about this water bear in India. A water bear is somebody who has the pole across their uh, shoulders and they carry, you know, you've seen, I'm sure, the two clay pots of water they carry to the destination. And this water bear, he did this every day. He'd go down to this stream, he'd fill up these two pots of water, and he'd carry it on his shoulders up to his master's house for them to use the water. One of the pots was very young and strong and vibrant. It was uh, perfect. Perfect cylinder, perfect round. It was just a great pot to use. The other pot, however, was much older. It had some cracks and some flaws in it. And every day the water bear would fill them up and take them up to the house. But the problem was by the time he got to the master's house, the strong, healthy pot was totally full. But the other pot had leaked out half of its load each time. This went on for a few years. And finally, the old cracked pot decided to apologize to the water bear down by the stream. He said, I'm so ashamed. For the past two years, I've been such a failure. I've only delivered half my load. Because of my cracks, you only get half value for all your effort. You might as well just throw me away. Go find another younger, stronger pot to use. The water bearer said, listen, as we return up to the master's house today, I want you to notice some of the beautiful flowers along the path. And as they walked up, the old pot noticed the flowers. It made him feel good for a little bit until he got to the top of the master's house and he realized once again, he leaked out half of its load. He apologized to the water bear for its failure. The water bear said, but did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path? That's because I've always known about your flaw. And I intentionally put some flower seed on your side of the path. Every day we walked up to the master's house, you've watered those seeds and I have been able to pick beautiful flowers to decorate my master's home each day. Could it be that God knows all of your flaws? He knows your secret addictions. He knows your problems. He knows your shortcomings. Could it be that God knows everything about you and yet he still called you to decorate his kingdom for his highest purposes? Through everything that you have. Our, our thing should not be, God, here's what I can't do. Our thing should be, God, do whatever you want to do through me. Isaiah 40, 64, 8 says, Lord, you're the potter, we're the clay. In other words, you make me how you want to make me. Whatever I have right now, you can heal me, not heal me. You can deliver me, not deliver me. You can give me the money or not. You can give me the education or not, the, the knowledge or not. Whatever you have given me, though, I'm going to give it back to you. So instead of me trying to accomplish what I want to accomplish, I want you to use me however you see fit because you know everything about me. So if you want to use me, here I am. Admit it, quit it. Number three is this. Forget it. Forget it. 
If I can apply this to what's going on today, we don't want to forget the MLK Jr. We don't want to forget the Medgar Evers. We don't want to forget Rosa Parks. We don't want to uh, forget Nelson Mandela's. We don't want to forget the people God used and where he brought us from through our country. But we want to stop going over the pain and the bitterness. Don't forget their parents and the good they did do for you. But stop going over what they didn't do for you. Uh, we, 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 we want to forget about the, the past. We don't want to forget about the past in a way where uh, we don't acknowledge where God brought us from. But we need to see, stop going over the things that actually tear us apart, if you would. Or even keep us away from God. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget what happened yesterday. Go back to the slide. Sorry. Go back. Uh, don't keep going over old history. I'm doing something new. Do you not perceive it? He asks if we perceive it because he knows we're so tempted to keep going over old history. And it's hard to perceive something new if we're always focused on the past. And I'm not making light of your pain or anything you've ever gone through, but I'm just telling you the truth. You can either focus on one or the other, but you can't do both. It's like this little kid who was skateboarding one day and he <clears throat> fell and, and he busted up his knee. So his mom put a few band-aids on it. He felt better for a little bit, but his friends came over later on and he said, let me tell you what happened to me today. And he pulled off the band-aid and it started bleeding again. So his mom put it back on. And then his grandma came over the next day. Grandma, look what happened to me. Pulled it off and it started bleeding again. In church on Sunday, he's out there in children's church. And they're talking about things. They said, do you have any prayer requests? He said, I want you to pray for my knee. Let me show you what happened to it. And he pulls it off and starts bleeding again. All it's doing is preventing the healing process. Leave the band-aid on. Let God do what he's going to do and go forward in life. Don't nurse it and rehearse it. Learn to disperse it. Um... There's a famous story in the Bible, and I'm sure you know. Peter and Jesus are walking along the path, and they're talking about offense and people doing you wrong and bad things happening to you. And in Matthew 18, 22, Peter says this, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? <laughs> Seems like a pretty prideful answer. I would have said eight, but seven's fine, okay. Jesus said, not seven times, but 70 times 7. For those of you that know math, 70 times 7 equals what? Hello, hello, is this thing on? Thank you. 70 times 7. It's okay if you have a weakness in that area. I don't know if God can take care of that. But that was pretty best. I'm just kidding. God can take care of anything. Okay, so 490. Jesus was not saying a numerical number. Because if he was saying 490, that means when it gets to 491, you can let him have it. Up until 490, we're good. But the second you do it to me one more time after that, I'm going to get you back for a lot of stuff. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was speaking Aramaic, a form of Hebrew. But the scripture was written in Greek. So when he said 70 times 7, that's how it translates. He was actually said, the word he actually said was 77 fold. Now, 77-fold and 70 times 7 is the same um, numeric. No, it's, it's both equals 490. But Jesus was not speaking numerically. He was actually verbally saying a phrase that all Israelis knew for thousands of years. When he said 77-fold, everybody around him, all the Jews knew, whoa, they knew what he was talking about. He wasn't saying 490. He was referring to a story that took place a few thousand years before with Lamech in Genesis chapter 4. In verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, 
Ada and Zillah. You can imagine how pretty they were with names like that. Oh, Lord. Why not? Ada, you so, oh, Ada, come here, Zillah. What's your wife's name? Ada. <laughs> Ada, I feel like the guy from the office. Ada <laughs> and Zillah. Hear my voice. Let me tell you, wives. Let me tell you, honey. Let me tell you how powerful I am. I killed a man because he wounded me. In fact, there was a boy, a young boy. He had his whole life ahead of him. And I murdered him. Here's why. He hurt my feelings. If Cain could be avenged sevenfold, then let me tell you about Lamech. Me? <laughs> 77-fold. 77-fold was a phrase Israelis used in conversation that referred to someone whose revenge was so over the top. I mean, when they got offended, everybody on Facebook knew. When they went to a restaurant and the server wasn't right, man, they gave the worst Google review. They don't want nobody to go there. When someone didn't say hey to them in church, they told 10 people on the way out. So-and-so gave me the cold shoulder. I mean, they let them have it. 77-fold. You hurt my feelings, I'm going to come after you and attack you. The whole world's going to know what you've done. And all the Israelis knew this phrase. And when they said, how do we handle someone that offends us? How do we someone that's done us wrong? Jesus said this. You handle it this way. With the same passion, the same vigor, the same zeal and enthusiasm that you used to get somebody back 77-fold, that's the same passion you use to show them mercy whenever they've done you wrong. So Jesus said, when somebody comes after you, when they attack you, when they hurt your feelings, when they wound you, let me tell you what you do. You better tell them you need to get ready because I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to show you so much mercy it's going to make you sick because I'm going to believe the best in everything you do. And that's how we should handle when somebody does us wrong. And the Jews were like, oh, are you serious? I, I think I like 490 a lot better. Because <laughs> I can keep record of that. Um, I'll close with this. In, in the Old Testament, when they had the, the temple where they worshiped God, there were different sections of the temple. Just like this, this building would be here with the different, you see the different wood areas. And um, the very last section was called the Holy of Holies, the secret place. Everybody say the secret place. Secret place. The secret place is where God dwelt in the Old Testament. He didn't dwell in our hearts because we had sin. Jesus had not come, so he dwelt in the place. The secret place was very private. It was protected. Um, it had to be very much respected. Not anybody could go in there. Only certain people could go in the secret place. It's where God dwelt. Uh, there could be nothing dirty in there. It had to be perfectly clean. Uh, everything was just in order, just right. It was the secret place. As New Testament believers, our secret place is in our heart. And we have to protect it very much so. Uh, we have to respect it. We can't let just anybody and anything come into our heart. That's why you have to be very careful what you continue to watch over and over again, especially the, the videos that we see. You watch the video enough times, you'll be afraid of every white policeman. If you watch the videos enough time, you'll hate everybody that's breaking into Target. Taking, you'll, you'll blame. I, you'll, you'll talk about them and be so angry with them, and your heart will start to fill up with things it's not supposed to fill up with. The problem whenever your heart fills up with the wrong things is, it says in Titus 1.15, that if your heart's pure, then everything you see is pure. But here's the problem. If it's not, then everything you see is not. Because we don't see the world for what it is. We actually see the world for who we are. 
You don't see the president for who he really is. You see the president through who you are. You don't see your enemies for who they really are. You see your enemies for who you are. Because when your heart's pure and you see an enemy, you can feel sorry for them. And you can think, man, they need Jesus. But if your heart's not pure, you can think, man, I can't wait till you get the man. You're going to pay for what you did. It's all based on our heart. And I believe today if we're willing to admit it, quit it, and forget it, I believe that our heart will start to get pure. And we will start to produce the right fruit that God wants us to produce in our life. Amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. If you would, bow your heads with me. We want to give a second for the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. We believe that God, the Bible says that His sheep hear His voice. So I believe that Jesus can speak to you today. Nothing of any significance is said unless Jesus speaks to you. If you're here today and um, <clears throat> there's been a blaming root inside of you. Well, I, I cussed them out because they cussed me out. No, you cussed them out because you chose to cuss them out. Well, I left a bad review of that restaurant because the server wanted, maybe she was having a bad day. Maybe they got a brand new cook. Maybe they're getting a new manager tomorrow. You don't want to ruin a, a, a local person's business because you had one bad experience. Just let it go. Well, I have a right to tell the world. No, you don't. You have to make up excuses for being negative. Well, the reason I don't tithe is because I don't make enough money. Well, if you make a dime, you can. So that's not the real reason. Find the root. Stop blaming something. Well, I would do more for God, but let me tell you about my past. That's eh, not good enough. Not a good enough excuse. Well, I would serve in church, but you know, I just have so much going on in my life. No, just admit and say I'm selfish. <laughs> like, just bring it to God. Say, God, I've been selfish my whole life. I need you to use me. Do something with me. God, you know I'm selfish. You know I'm self-centered. So do something, because I'm giving it to you. Man, God, they hurt me so bad. I just, I don't know if I can get over it. People don't understand. You know what? God understands because he was hurt worse than you. He was beaten, abused, spit on his own people. His own people. The whole world. So he knows how you feel. So if you're here today and, and there's been a blaming root inside of you, and you recognize it, I, I want to pray for you. So if you would just lift your hands and say, Jesus, I need you in this area. With your hands raised just for 30 seconds. Lord, every person that had the faith to raise their hand and say, God, I need you to uproot this, 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 this wrong root on the inside. And it's, a, it's something only you can do. The biggest backhoe in the world cannot pull this root out. It has to be done by the hands of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, with their hands raised high, I just ask that you just bring healing into their life. Let them recognize the world's not the problem. The problem lies inside of us, and only you can heal it. So I thank you, Lord, for those people that were honest enough to raise their hands. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us to admit it, quit it, and forget it. And thank you for the bright future that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen. Y'all can stand to your feet. Tell somebody you're glad to see them at Solid Rock. And I cannot wait to see you next Sunday. Be blessed. Have an awesome, awesome week. Thank you so much.